don't know about you, but I am extremely thankful for the time and the talent of our worship leaders. Can you just give it up for them? That doesn't just happen. They don't just call each other on a Saturday night and say, hey, would you like to do that on Sunday morning? It doesn't happen that way. That represents hours and hours of preparation, and we're so thankful. And uh, wow, the kids, wow choir, they're so great. They preached my sermon for us this morning. I hope you're listening because they did a great, great job. So here we are. Pastor Avery, thank you for giving me this opportunity to do this. You look really great on your vacation. He's on vacation. He looks fantastic. He's just worshiping with his family on vacation. It is such a privilege to be here with you and joining everybody here and everybody online for worship today. And as we gather, I want to talk a little bit this morning about the best gift ever. The best gift ever. Now, when you think about Christmas for you, Christmas past for me, we think about kids. What do you think about? Presents, right? Giving gifts on Christmas. But why do we do that? Why do we choose to give gifts to family members? Why do we go through that, that tradition? There are a couple of reasons people think. One is because of the Christmas story. We all know the story about the Magi or the wise men. They gave three gifts coming to see baby Jesus. Or in, in the story, he's probably a little bit more of like a toddler. But they come to see him and they present to him three gifts. That's why we say three wise men. They give him gifts of, say it with me, gold frankincense and myrrh. Everybody knows gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's a great story. It's a great representative of who Jesus was, the gold representing Jesus' kingship, his rightful place on the throne of God. Frankincense, a symbol of his priestly role, and myrrh, an anointing oil used in burial that foreshadows his death on the cross. We think about the wise men presenting their gifts. I can't help but think of the Christmas Spectacular. Clark, you helped us kind of go back to that, where they present the gifts to baby Jesus and how spectacular that truly is when we have the opportunity to present the Christmas Spectacular. Hopefully that's next year. Too bad for this year. But anyway, and then we think about there's this guy that we... Uh, we, we know from church history, we call him St. Nicholas, lived about AD 300, and he was known for giving to the needy and giving to the children, and he, his gift-giving and generous heart became so uh, inspirational that after his death, the legend of his gift-giving just grew and grew and grew. And so Christmas for us and this giving of gifts to each other is definitely influenced by these two stories. But I think the real reason that we give gifts is found in the name of our holy day, Christmas. It is 
Christmas, the two words there actually, Christ, Mass. Mass is a word that us Baptists don't use too much, but all it means is worship. So it means Christ worship. We worship Christ at Christmas. And the reason we give gifts is because of the first gift that started it all. The best gift ever, the gift of Jesus, the Son of God. That's the reason we celebrate Christmas. So as we meet together today, I want you to think and meditate about all the gifts you've ever received or given. And then think about this week that's coming up. And I want you to think about this question. What makes a good gift? We were all thinking about that this week, or some of us are going to be thinking about it, you know, like December 23rd and December 24th, wondering what we're going to give our loved ones because we've procrastinated or we haven't thought about it. We've just been so busy. But what makes a good gift? First of all, we think about who gave the gift. Our text today is found in John 3.16. We all know it. Lots of us know this verse, but I want us to just meditate on it really, really good this morning. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. Amen and amen. So I want you to look at that. The verse says, For God gave. The, the gift of Jesus came from the God of the universe. The visual display on that song, just with the, the cosmos and the stars and all that, was just so stupendous. I just love that visual picture of the God that formed the world and the universe and the stars and everything in it, all that majestic act of worship. God, that God, gave. So who gave the gift? That's where we get the value from a gift, is who gave the gift to us. I have here with me a gift that was given to me. Oh, about 40 years ago, from my third grade teacher, Mrs. Brigham. Now, those of you in the room, I am not a crocheter. I don't do that in my spare time, but the experts that I know tell me that this probably takes about two to three hours to crochet if you're really good at crocheting. Multiply that about 25 to 30 students, and you can tell the effort that Miss Brigham did to give us this stocking, and it meant a lot to me as a third grader that my teacher would spend this much time now, truth be told, my wife thinks it's hideous, <laughs> so it stays in my office at church, and I pull it out every year as a, as a memento and as a memory for, for me of what my teacher gave to me and the effort that she made to give me this gift, and it's very, very special in fact, I was able, several years ago, I saw her over a holiday, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I saw her at a store in my hometown, and I said, Miss Brigham, I just have to tell you, one, you're one of my favorite teachers of all time, and I still have the stocking. I still have it. And she, she was really impressed, 
Yeah, I was a teacher's pet then, and I just you know, wanted to be the teacher's pet at that moment, too. You know, she's impressed. But she said, you know, Leonard, over the years, I did that until the gift was no longer appreciated. And I would find these stock, the stockings that I'd spent so much time on in the trash can as I left to go home. And so she stopped making the stockings. The same is true with Jesus, right? We can either accept or reject the gift, the free gift that he gives through his son, Jesus Christ. So who gives the gift is super important. It gives us the value. You, you know, you have all have gifts that someone gave you that's super special to you. And you can think about those right now. And then, But also we think about why the gift was given. In John 3.16, we see the reason of why the gift was given at the very first. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much. And you, you guys know this. You give gifts to your kids and your grandkids and your friends and your coworkers. You give those gifts because you love them. It is a tangible expression of your love towards the people that you give a gift to. Husbands and wives, what do we do when we get married? We give a gift of a ring to symbolize our love for our spouse. We give gifts to show love. And God showed his love by sending Jesus. And his love is a love unlike any other love you'll ever see. It's not a love that gets tired and irritable. It's a, not a love that um, gets cranky and angry or, or is fickle. It's a love that is constant. It is a love that you can depend on. God gave his son because he loves us. We sing about it all the time. We take it for granted. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. We all know that, boys and girls. Good job. We know that. God's word says that he loves us. That's why he gave his son. Next, we look. What makes a good gift? We look. Now, just confession time. We look and see how it was wrapped. Right? You look at a gift under the tree. And you shake it, you weigh it, and if you're super, super evil, <laughs> you may pull back the tape and <laughs> see if there's a label on the box that might give you a hit. Dina had, my, my wife Dina had a babysitter who showed them the trick of peeling off the labels, or peeling off the, the tape to see what was inside and then rewrapping it. And her little brother gave away when, she, when, the baby, when, when her parents got home. And so that babysitter was one and done. She didn't get to do that again. <laughs> but we have a gift and we look at how it's wrapped. We pick it up, we shake it. How was our gift of Jesus wrapped? Luke chapter 2 verse 12 tells us, and this will be a sign for you. This is the angel talking to the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. God became flesh and dwelt among us. It is a mystery of the incarnation that somehow God became wrapped in swaddling clothes. 
The moms and grandmas and dads in the room, you know when you get an infant that comes home and you want that baby to sleep because you're tired. You wrap him up really, really tightly in a blanket of some kind to mimic the, what happens in the womb of the mother so that baby will sleep, hopefully. That's what Mary, the mother of Jesus, did. Wrapped him up so he would sleep. The God of the universe became flesh. Philippians 2 verse 7 says this way, Paul says, But Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He emptied himself of his deity, of his godhood, all the things that he was entitled to at the right hand of the Father. He emptied himself of all that to take on human flesh. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Gee, our gift was wrapped in human flesh. He literally came to this earth. He's not, a, he's not some fable. He literally came to flesh. He died on the cross. His disciples, after he was risen again, they, they touched him. They even looked at his hands and his wounds. They knew what he had done and that he was risen. He came in human flesh. That's, what, that's how Jesus was wrapped. He's just like you, just like me, except without sin. So what else, when you look at a good gift, what does a good gift consist of? We also think about how much it costs. Now, this is just real talk here, okay? You, you, when you think about a gift, you think about, well, how much did that gift cost? Now, sometimes a really good gift costs a lot of time and effort. Not necessarily a lot of money, but a lot of time and effort. When your child diligently makes something out of macaroni and you got to ask them and say, tell me what about this. You don't say, what is it? That's, you just say, tell me about it because you have no clue what it is. But you say, tell me about it. And they tell you all about this thing they made with macaroni and, and it's just so lovely, right? And you cherish it. You cherish it. Because it, it costs them some effort. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his only son. Now, I have three sisters, but I'm an only son. I have two daughters and an only son. I can't even fathom what it would be like to give up a son. For the sins of the world, I can't even fathom it. I hope I would have the faith of Abraham when he was told to offer his son Isaac. When he was telling his servants, my son and I are going to go up, he said, we will return to you. He had faith one way or another. God was going to honor his promise long ago, and they would come back. But Jesus was God's only son, the only begotten son unique. Philippians 2.8 says it this way, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God knew that he would be separated from his son for a time because his son had to pay the penalty for sin. And he did it willingly. That's how much it cost. It cost him his one and only son. That's how much he loved us to do that for you and for me. It's the most expensive gift ever given. The most lavish gift ever given. 
It's incredible. So not only do we look at how much it costs, but if you're me, we look at the gift and we say, how useful is it? Have you ever got a gift you never used? <laughs> True talk right there, confession. Got a gift you never used. The gift giver had good intentions, but it just wasn't exactly what you needed. That's not the case with Jesus. Jesus is the bestower of eternal life for all who believe. How useful is that? How useful is that? Anybody here would like to live with, in God's presence forever and ever? That is useful. That is the good news. He said that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. All we have to do is believe. But Jesus goes on when he's talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 17. He says, For the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. There's really only two choices, believe in Jesus or not. Our new senior pastor said it very well last week. He said, he referred to this part of verse 18, whoever does not believe is condemned already. That's the bad news. But the bad news is presented to make the good news look so good. That's what makes the good news so good. Jesus also, or, or the Apostle John also said it like this in 1 John 4.10, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. You can't love God enough. I can't love God enough. He showed his love by sending his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Anybody use that word this week, propitiation? Did it just come up in everyday conversation? It's really a churchy word, a theological word, but it means a lot. It means atoning sacrifice. He sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice. We understand words like guilt and debt. And because of our connection to Adam, we are born and an unfavorable standing with God because of that sin. But Jesus paid a debt we, he didn't owe and we couldn't pay. Praise the Lord. He canceled the charges of sin against us. He, we experienced through Jesus forgiveness and cleansing, and that is propitiation. There's a lot in that little word, or that, in that word. There's a lot. We have forgiveness. We have atonement before God. We know also this verse, the gospel in a nutshell, people call it Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. That's that condemnation. The result of our sin is death. Everybody sins. But the free gift of God, Christmas, free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Only is that free gift found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But there's a little tag on the end of this verse. He says, Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's a lot of people, I think, is they kind of like the gift for a little while maybe, but they throw it away because they have not made Jesus Christ their Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, if we confess in our, with our mouth that Jesus is, 
is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. But we have to make him our Lord, our boss. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says this, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this is in his Son. Is in no one else, nothing else. Eternal life is in his Son. For whoever has the Son is life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And then John 10.10 10 says, The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what Jesus said. That life, that eternal life, doesn't just start when we die. It begins the moment we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. That abundant life of peace that passes understanding, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all that great stuff is ours to enjoy as a believer in Christ, that is that abundant life. But not only do we look at how useful a gift is, but we look at how effective is it. You ever have something that just maybe worked for a little while and then you're like, where's the receipt? <laughs> I need to return this thing because it's not very effective. It doesn't do what it was intended to do, so we take it back to the store, hoping to exchange it or get something else or what have you. But this is not the case with Jesus Christ. I'm not up here giving you an infomercial and selling you a George Foreman grill. I'm telling you about the God of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that he does exactly what he says he will do. He will save you and transform you. Now, I, I want to have a little bit of a, of a testimony time here because it says here, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Let me ask this question. Raise your hand if you can testify this morning that Jesus Christ saves. Raise your hand. Just testify just a little bit this morning. Jesus Christ is the Savior of sinners he is the Redeemer. He is the Lord. He transforms lives. And this gift of Christmas is the most effective gift you'll ever receive. You don't have to return it. You don't have to get a receipt to return it. You don't have to worry about any of that. I'll promise you, the people in this room who have experienced Jesus firsthand will promise you it's the best gift ever. Ever. So another verse says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says it this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Doesn't mean the problems all go away. Doesn't mean we don't battle our sin nature. But we have a hope and a purpose and a plan for our life. And in Christ, there is hope. In Christ, there is redemption. In Christ is the reason for existence in life. I read a story. I'm a history buff. I love history. I'm doing some genealogy stuff right now. My wife thinks I spend too much time on it. But I, I read this story about this gentleman. His name was Bill Borden. And uh, Bill Borden was a rich man. If you ever heard of Borden's Milk, that's the family. Grew up in Chicago, very extremely wealthy, 
But his, his, uh, his mother became a Christian, and young, young Bill became, started going to Moody Church there in Chicago. And one morning, the pastor asked those who would dedicate their lives to Christian service to stand, and little Bill stood up. And that was a commitment that he never forgot. Fast forward, he went to Yale University as a young man. He was a star athlete. He was good looking. He was worth in that day and time $50 million. That's not chump change. But he was committed to Christ and he went to a revival and felt called to missions to to Muslims in China. And when he graduated, he said, I'm going to give my whole inheritance to mission causes. And his mother was uh, a little wondering, is he doing the right thing? So he was about to leave to go to Egypt to study abroad, to study the language that he needed to do. And his mom said this. He said, in, she said, in the quiet of my room that night, worn and weary and sad, I fell asleep asking myself again and again, is it after all? worthwhile. In the morning as I woke, a still small voice was speaking in my heart, answering, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he was, she was able to release him to go. And, and the story we would think is super tragic because he goes to Egypt to study. He develops spiral meningitis and, went the, and within a month he is dead. Yeah. Incredible, right? But here's the story. Because of his, he, he was dead in, in like two weeks' time. But he had left a message under his pillow that they found. And, and it said these six words, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. No reserve, no retreat, no regrets. Because of his significance and his wealth, he went back, or they, they were telling the story of this Bill Borden who died and is so tragic, but because of his sacrifice, it was retold over and over again. It resulted in a whole slew of young people committing their lives to be missionaries, to go out and share the good news. So what seemed like a tragic event, what was the purpose of that? ended up being a catalyst for God to send out even more people than this rich guy, Bill Borden. But it was all motivated by a mother who taught his, her, her child and realized, I need to send him off. That's the kind of things that Christ can do for us. And today, that gift that started it all, he's here in this room. He's all wrapped up with your name on it. God gave the best gift ever to you. The question is, have you opened it yet? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? I would love to have the opportunity to talk to you about that further. We're going to have a time of invitation in a few minutes. And out these doors and to the left is our prayer room. And we'll have pastors there who would love to talk to you about accepting Christ as your Lord and Savior. It really is as easy as admitting to God that you're a sinner Believing in Christ, that, God, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead, confess him as your Savior and Lord. It's really as easy as that. I hope that you have unwrapped that gift. And there are many who have testified earlier that, in fact, you have unwrapped that gift. 
Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and I praise God for that. But for those of you that have done that, I want to plant a seed in you today, a seed of thought as you go about and celebrate Christmas this week. When you open your gifts this week, whenever that might be, I want you to think about the greatest gift ever that was given to you, Jesus Christ. In that moment of unwrapping that gift and wondering what is it and who gave it and all that kind of stuff, thank God for the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Also, you're going to watch your loved ones and your family members unwrap gifts, and some of those have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. When you watch them unwrap those gifts that you've given them, thank the Lord for their salvation. First of all, they've received the greatest gift ever. And then you may have others in your family, you may have children or grandchildren or friends who haven't yet made a decision to follow Christ. And when they open their gifts, pray that they realize the true meaning for Christmas and that they one day will do the same thing that you and other family members have done and that they would accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Make it an opportunity for your, to pray for your family to see God work in their lives. I pray that you would see Jesus in every gift under the tree. See Jesus in every gift. Worship him as a family through the giving of gifts. I know how easy it is to get caught up in the, the trappings of our affluent society, United States. We have so much to be thankful for. And the materialism, I understand that. But uh, I, it, it, as Christians, we can make it a time of worship also want to encourage you to read the Christmas story. If you do not, start off your gift giving. Read Matthew chapter 2. It's a great time to start off your gift giving by reading God's Word and getting centered on exactly what is important. But I just want to encourage you guys, if you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let today be the day that you receive that free gift of eternal life. Let today be that day. Let me pray for you. Father God, we just want to worship you today and give you our thanks and gratitude for the gift that you gave us through your son, Jesus Christ. The best gift ever. Lord, help us not to take it for granted. Help us, Lord, to not realize its potential to change our lives and the lives of others. So, Lord, I pray that this Christmas week would be a time of worship for all of us as we connect the incarnation and later on, Lord, we celebrate the resurrection. Those two stories go together. And we're so thankful, Lord, that we can do both during this time of year. Not only that you're God made flesh, but you are our redeemer and you are our savior. We love you. Help us to worship you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.